Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everyone, to the 185th episode of Power Your Parenting, Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. This episode is being released October 3rd, and I'm so excited that Dallop the Dream Book Club is starting today. Book Club Plus is a six-week virtual program for a small group of moms who have daughters from 17 to 25 years old. I have such a great group of moms who have signed up. And I have room for a few more. My experience has shown me over the years that the mom who signs up at the last minute is the one who really needs it and the one who will get the most out of it. So who would benefit from this program? This is for moms who really want to be ready for these emerging young adult years, want to have a close relationship with their daughter, want to understand their role and still be able to influence and make an impact in their daughter's lives when they leave home, and it's for moms who are ready to dial down their own worry so they can start to explore what's next for them. So if you want to get the most of these last years your teen is home, if you want to know what to expect, if you want to establish a good connection with your teen, if you want to get the support you need so that you aren't stressed all year, then this program is for you. If you've just dropped your teen off at college and you're starting to feel the emptiness and distance from your daughter and you're having a hard time adjusting and you're not sure what to do next, I know these years are confusing for moms. See, I wrote Dallop the Dream, Make Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. First, because the brain isn't fully developed till 25. 
your 17 to 25-year-old is going to make impulsive and immature decisions at this time. Add to this, some of these decisions can impact the rest of their lives. These are perplexing and ambiguous years for moms. So what is your role now? Are you supposed to let go? You don't want to lose touch with your daughter at this time. So many pitfalls for moms. For example, you panic and threaten your daughter when she's not doing what you want. But if she is out of the home, she can avoid you. Threatening or controlling won't work. So how do you handle these situations? I know it's complicated. Look, this is why I wrote Doll of the Dream. I have lived through this season with my daughter. I have spent thousands of hours listening to moms going through this stage. I can help you avoid some huge mistakes moms make and help you not suffer or stress over your emerging young adult daughter. If this feels like this is right for you, please reach out to me at Colleen at Dial Down the Drama and I will do my best to get you in. See, Book Club Plus is a time that I can give you individual coaching. Yes, I will help you and coach you in your specific situations. Okay, today our guest is best-selling author, coach, speaker, and certified divorce and co-parenting specialist, Michelle Dempsey-Multak. She is the best-selling author of Simon & Schuster's Moms, Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self, and founder of the Moms Moving On community. Her notoriety on Instagram, coupled with her extensive expertise in divorce and co-parenting, have made her a sought-after coach. Michelle also hosts the popular weekly divorce podcast, Moms Moving On. So if you are married, divorced, single, remarried, you will get something out of this episode. Co-parenting can be extremely challenging in any situation. I've listened to so many moms in my practice who feel that the other parent doesn't support them, listen to them, and actually disempowers them in front of the teens. So welcome, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so the first question I always ask my guests is, if you are a mom, and what are the ages of your kids? I am a mom and a stepmom. My daughter is seven and a half, and my stepdaughter is 15, almost 16. Yes, and my audience is moms of tweens and teens, so you you get that. Yep, I do. <laughs> so you recently wrote a book called Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self. I really yes. like that title. Thank you. So can you tell me why you wrote the book? Yeah, I mean, I think I wrote the book really like as a guide to encompass all of the different things a mom goes through when she's facing divorce. And I wrote it because it's what I would wished I had when I had gotten separated. Um, there wasn't a lot of literature out there that I spoke to, that I felt spoke to me as a young mom. And, you know, how do you survive those first nights without your little ones? And what if your child is still in diapers and, you know, gets fussy during a diaper change? How do you communicate that to dad? Like there were so many things changes of friendships, dating again, getting in touch with your sexuality again. There were so many things that I felt like needed to be covered. And so that's why I wrote the book. And it really became like a what to expect when you're expecting for divorcing moms. It covers everything. 
It does. Some of your titles, I laughed out loud. They're, oh, the chapters? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but moms, you'll just have to look at the book to know what I'm talking about. What are your single parenting survival tips? In other words, can a single mom have a life? Yes, absolutely. And all the more reason to pay attention to herself as an individual when you are single parenting, because there is nothing more exhausting, both physically, emotionally, and everything in between, because you are doing the job of two people. And we know that parenting multiple children, especially, is the job of like 100 people sometimes. So you need to be able to ask for help. That's the number one thing. You can't be too proud. And here's what I see happen with a lot of single moms. I know it happened for me in particular. You don't want anybody to say, so then why'd you leave if you can't do this by yourself? And <laughs> and that will stop somebody from asking for help because either they're too proud or they just don't want to have to succumb to the fact that somebody might think they're weak and they can't handle it. But who cares? Because when you're emotional wellness is on the line, which you need 150% all of the time when you're single parenting, who cares? Ask for help. Ask your neighbor who once mentioned, oh, if you need anything, I live right next door. Ask the friends who you know are getting together this weekend, even if they're in couples, say, I'm, I'm tagging along. I need a drink. I just need to get out of here. <laughs> Ask for help. I'll never forget the first time I did this because I was the girl that would get a couch delivered that was left outside of my doorstep and I'd find a way to drag it in by myself. I could not for the life of me figure out how to get my new TV working. And it took me all day to work up the nerve, but I asked a friend to send her husband over to help me with like the wiring of this thing. And like, it was so challenging for me to ask. And so don't be too scared to ask for help. That's number one. And then everything else comes secondary. Once you are comfortable asking for help, then you could take a step back and Look at what you need to thrive. Look at what your children need to thrive. Because when you're caught up in the day-to-day chaos of it, it's very hard to see the forest for the trees. Mm, that's very good advice. So if a mom starts to date, how does she handle that with her tweens and teens? If a mom starts to date, how does she handle that with her tweens and teens? Well, I think what every mom needs to know is that they're entitled to a life, a personal life, social life outside of their children. And while the best thing you can do is support your children through the decisions that you make, you're not going to them for permission. And I see this mistake happening a lot. You don't want to give your child the control of your adult decisions. It's just not healthy. Even if it's a decision that's like, what should I buy at the store today? Your child's going to say potato chips, right? They're not going to say vegetables. And so you don't want to give them the authority to make decisions over your personal life. It can lead into parentification and all sorts of other unhealthy things we don't want for our children. But you have to accept that it's going to be hard for them. They may harbor negative feelings. That doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. That just means that this is a difficult, uncomfortable situation for your children that you have to help them work through. Not so that they love this new person, but that's so they accept that you are a human being who's allowed to have a life outside of parenting them. I think that's true. So what I hear from a lot of moms is, well, I don't want to bring him around my kids until I really know that we're serious. And I respect that. And I think that's a great idea in theory. But the other part of me says, well, what if you love this person so much 
and you think they are just the greatest thing since sliced bread, and then you wait a whole year to introduce your children, and there's just no chemistry there, and you don't like the way this new person is talking to your children, and they don't seem to have much patience or tolerance, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they think they can be the disciplinarian, mm. your relationship's going to change. And so I am of the opinion that if you know this is, you know, you're going steady, for lack of a better term, and you know that this is somebody that you see a future with, I don't think you need to wait a certain amount of time because I... It doesn't, your children are going to have the same reaction either way. You're an adult, you know what might last and what might not. I think that it is important that your kids at least meet them in a very informal way and not to say, hey, here's the new guy, we're going to play family now, but just to see how everybody reacts. And then you can gauge from there how your children feel, how this person is around children, and that's going to give you a lot of clarity moving forward. You're absolutely right. I just saw that with one of my clients this week where she had wanted to not bring him around her kids who are teens, but but she did. And then this man crossed the line and gave her son all this advice and it was really offensive. Yeah. So she learned a lot from that. So that's yeah. really true. That's yeah. really good advice. Thank you. So any tips for the moms who are hanging out with other married moms at school and feel shame that they are divorced and alone? I think that's an internal thing. Like that's the story you're telling yourself. I don't know that this mom is actually experiencing other people like saying, shame on you, you're divorced. Maybe she feels different from these moms, which she is because she's living life on, on different terms right now. We've come so far in this society in the world of you know how we view families, it's not just mom, dad, and kids anymore. There are single moms, there are single dads, there are same-sex marriages, there are adoptive families, there are surrogates. There's just so many different ways to have a family. So, I mean, if your people are telling you there's something wrong with your divorce, those are not your people. But if you just naturally feel like the black sheep of the group, you got to mm-hmm. look at yourself. Why do you feel that way? Why does your marital status determine your worth as a person? That's good. Yeah, because I think that could be some leftover issues from the divorce is that you feel like a failure. But those internal messages are something that you really need to pay attention to. Absolutely. So how do kids process divorce in the middle school years or high school years? There's two things. There can either be a lot more anger Mm -hmm. or a lot more acceptance in those years. I feel like older children, we expect that because they're older, they're just going to take it better, right? But sometimes it's even harder because they have more experience. Their whole existence has been two married parents. So there's anger. A lot of times with daughters, I see anger towards the father, especially if there was issues of infidelity or abuse. You'll see teenage daughters who are already hormonal and going through changes and they're just raging at dad. And what I encourage moms to do in that situation, you know, it may feel good on the surface that your child is aligning with you, but you have to remember that your child's experience with their parent is not your experience with the parent and that they are entitled to a healthy and whole relationship with the other parents. So you want to help them and support them in this anger and let them know it's okay to feel this way, but that they don't have to feel any sort of responsibility for either parent and that they can continue a relationship as they please. And then with some teenagers, I've found 
I actually have a client now. She has five children, the majority of them teenagers. They were so grateful when their parents sat them down and said, listen, we're splitting up. One of the sons said, well, it's about time because they see things. So your children will definitely form an opinion and it's going to be either what you least expected or what you feared the most. But regardless of what it is, because they are smart enough to understand certain things and you can't shield them from every truth, you have to just remind them that they're allowed to love their other parent despite the fact that the marriage did not work out. I think especially, well, I would say boys and girls, but especially girls are really curious because they're into relationships and they're thinking about relationships. So a lot of them are very curious about mom's dating life. So that's one thing. What I've noticed is the teens really just care about how it's going to impact them. Yeah, I mean, teens are very self-centered by nature. I do see a lot of alignment, like with one parent over the other. And I yes. I know how good that can feel for a mom who's angry and mad at this person that's now, you know, caused an upheaval in their lives. But it's so detrimental to a child, especially I could speak to being a product of divorce and being a teenager who had issues with my dad and nobody coming in and saying, but what he did to mommy has nothing to do with you and he still can be your dad and and not being given that opportunity. That's where I mean, this impacted my adult relationships with men, with friends, with abandonment, with all sorts of things, because everyone forgot that I was not the divorcee. I was the child. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's, it's a really important stance to take for your kids. A stance for your son or daughter to have a positive relationship with the divorced father. Yes, absolutely. I agree. Listen, if there's allegations of abuse or, you know, this person is a detriment to their well-being, they're ne physically abusive, emotionally abusive, neglectful in any way, that's a different conversation. But if your marriage didn't work out or there was another person who came in between, that does not mean that the person cannot still be a good parent. Right. Which brings me to resentment. So what can a single mom do if she feels resentment that her ex isn't carrying his load in parenting? Well, this is tough because can't force anybody to do anything here, right? And we don't mm -hmm. have control over how our exes parent or don't parent or what they do or what they don't do. But you have to have a little faith. Like a lot of times it may take one parent longer than the other to adjust to single parenting and to understand how to get on their child's level in the way that the other parent is able to do it. And I always like to say, you have to allow for some time for growth and you have to give them rope because without that, they're never going to become the parent they need to be to the children. And my daughter's father and I have our own routines in our homes. He doesn't do everything just like me. I don't do everything just like him. Sometimes I feel like I do more Sometimes I see him doing a lot and, you know, it ebbs and flows, but it all took time for us to find like our groove in, in parenting alone. But had I chastised him every step of the way for what he did or didn't do, or tried to control everything that went on in that house, he wouldn't have the bond that he has with our daughter. And we wouldn't have the relationship that we have now, which is for the most part amicable. I see a lot, especially in cases of fidelity, where the mom maybe even unconsciously makes it a loyalty issue. Her husband did this to her and kind of forces the child to be more loyal to her. 
It's sad that that's, yeah. I mean, that happens all the time. And that's where I, why I said, you know, your, your experience is not your child's. Yeah. I think adult problems happen and marriages fall apart and people make stupid decisions, but that doesn't indicate a lack of love for their children. You know, how mm-hmm. could you do this to the family? Well, this person cheated not because they didn't love their family, because they have issues within themselves that were never worked out, right? So yeah. it's really important to see the difference there. So what are some co-parenting life hacks? The first one is picking your battles, not fighting over every little thing. Like really get it clear on what matters long-term. You want your child to be happy, healthy, and thriving, right? So is nitpicking about when the child brushes teeth at night? Is it before bedtime? I mean, before the book or after the book at bedtime, does it really matter? Like understanding which battles need to be picked and which can just be let go. I think that's a very important life hack. I think the other is really understanding what your child needs week to week, you know, in the school year. What are their extracurriculars? What are they going to need? Having a plan at the beginning of the week with their other parent, even if you're not on good terms, if you can just check in with each other by email or you shoot an email that says, hey, Joey has baseball on Tuesday, karate on Wednesday, tutoring on Thursday. We need the books for Thursday. We need the uniform. You know, So everybody's on the same page. Don't expect and don't sit and be spiteful because this person made you mad and expect them to figure it out on their own. Like throw a little support, give them a a life vest and guide them so that the child doesn't miss out on anything and isn't lacking during the week. And the other thing I think I would say is, again, ask for help. Co-parenting is hard. Parenting on your own is unlike anything else in the world. Like don't be too shy to ask for help. Be flexible with your co-parent if they need to switch a day. That's going to make your life a lot easier instead of fighting over every little switch. What does it matter in the long run if you give up an extra day? Nothing. It's your principle that's making you do that. So understand that there is no fair in co-parenting. There is no principle in co-parenting. And those are the hacks that I think will make the mound of co-parenting a little bit easier to navigate. I agree. So any tips for helping teens transition from home to home? Also, very similar to the last question is simplifying things, getting organized. What do we know ahead of time? What do we know about their schedule? What will they need in each home so that they have what they need for their extracurriculars or their practice, whatever they've got going on? And also being flexible enough as a co-parent to say, okay, this person has a huge exam Friday, but you're not going to be out of work until really late Thursday. Can I just keep the child so they feel that they have somebody to study with and prepare? It's all about flexibility. And the other part of that is understanding that teens at a certain point don't care whose house they sleep at. They don't care if they're at mom or dad's. They care about where their friends are, what their friends are doing. You know, I with my almost 16-year-old stepdaughter, we're following her social life more than we're following the parenting plan because That's what you do for a child at that age. You know, the party's in our neighborhood tonight, but it's her mom's night. Her mom's going to say, of course, stay at dad's. If the tables are turned, of course, be with mom. It's having that insight and that forethought to see that it's about your children and not about you. And that really helps with teens. Yeah, no, that's so true. So any tips with sharing information with the other spouse? 
Well, I think you have to remember you have a parenting plan in place and that is your barometer. That's your like blueprint for all the things you have to do and what you don't have to do in co-parenting. And a lot of parents make the mistake, women especially, we lean towards people pleasing, avoiding conflict. So we think that if we tell the other parent every last detail of the child's day, it's going to make them happier and make co-parenting easier. This does not happen. This actually opens up the floodgates for criticism and arguments, and you don't want to go that route. The information you have to share with the other parent is the information that your parenting plan tells you you have to share, which is usually academic situations, big academic decisions, medical decisions. I'm of the opinion that like you both should be on the same page if your child is having a hard day, a particularly bad day at school, you're going to want to like give the other parent a heads up to discuss, but you don't need to divulge every last bit of your life with your children to the other person. That's there's no law that says you have to do that. Yeah. Uh, what are some other mistakes that moms make? I think it goes back to this notion that I've done the most of the parenting up until this split. Now this person wants 50%. He's never going to be able to handle that. He'll never know what to do. I hear that all the time. And then I work with clients and a year from that point, they're like, wow, had you not forced me to give up a little control, they wouldn't have the relationship they have with their dad. And I see children connecting with fathers so much more deeply than they would have in the typical two-parent home because somebody's always assuming more responsibility there, right? And and people get comfortable. And so dad doesn't rush home from work to be with the kids because he knows mom's got it. But in the divorce situation, you don't have a choice. You have to be there with your kids and you have to be present. And so I think the biggest mistake we make is deciding prematurely that this person can't parent. But mm-hmm. when we give them the space, we have a little faith, we are very often surprised by what they can do. Yeah, that's wise. So a situation that I've seen like a thousand times or heard a thousand times in my practice is that a mom is trying to maintain rules and boundaries, but dad is a lot looser with the rules. And he uses that to kind of come off as a really fun or cool dad. Like mom has more strict rules around the phone. Dad's like, you can have it all the time sort of things. Mm -hmm. Um, And he kind of uses mom being too strict as a way to get the daughter on his side. Mm-hmm. So and like so a Disney I ha- dad. Yeah, Disney dad. And then I have these moms just kind of panicky because the daughter wants to live with dad. So I, that's a big fear that all moms have that if dad's more fun, kids won't want to be with me. But I wrote it actually an article on this last year. We take for granted that Children need security and stability to thrive. Like the Disney parent, the parent with no rules and no boundaries and just like the Wild West over at their house, that doesn't benefit the child. And eventually the child finds themselves not feeling the most comfortable with that parent because there's no real like clear lines in the sand of what's allowed and what isn't. And I've always seen that they gravitate back toward the not so fun parent, the safe parent, the one where they know their rules and the expectations. And I always give the example of like, 
you know, if you go to the top of the Empire State Building and they remove the wire fence and all the walls around the edge, where are you going to stay? Like, you're not going to have any sense of security. You're not going to want to go and like live your life and thrive as a human being on the top of that ledge because there's no boundaries for you. But the second you put that wall up, you're free to explore, you feel safe, you feel comfortable. And so the Disney parents end up not being taken seriously. The attachment isn't the same. The relationship isn't the same. Kids, no matter how strict you are with them on a hard day, they still want to curl up on your lap and like know that you're there for them and have a hug from you. And no matter how fun that other parent is, I guarantee it's the stricter, less fun parent who gets the respect from the children in the long run. Because I know that was the case for me and I see it for so many of my clients. Yeah, that's true. And I also tell the moms that you don't have to be so polarized that dad is all fun and you're all seriousness. I think mom can add a little Disney mom to her little menu also. Right. Absolutely. You know, she can be fun. So when you see moms really doing divorce well, what are they doing? They are letting go. They are allowing their children to have a healthy relationship with their other parent, despite what they may think about their other parent. And they're realizing that long-term, all these little things that we pick on day to day don't really matter all that much in terms of how our children grow up and what they're capable of doing as adults. Great. So any last advice for the moms listening? I mean, I would just say if you are going through a divorce and you have middle school or high school age children, allow for their emotions to come out, remind them that their emotions are okay, that you're there to help them through. And if you really sense that their emotions are too big for you to deal with, always consider therapy. Therapy is one of the best gifts you can give a child who is dealing with something that's heavier than they know how to carry. But all in all, you're going to be okay. You're as okay as you tell yourself you'll be, right? Yeah. So I thought of one more question. Okay. So for the mom who is listening and she just feels she's trapped in a really, really bad marriage and is saying to herself, I can't leave until the kids have graduated from high school and go to college because I don't want to ruin them. What would you say? Well, what are you teaching them by staying in a situation that makes you unhappy, that makes you unfulfilled, that has you tense and not living life to its fullest potential? What benefit do you think that has for the children? It doesn't. And I've never met a grown-up whose parents waited until they were out of school to divorce that hasn't said, I don't know what they waited for. They were miserable to be around. I wish they would have gotten divorced when I was younger. Mm -hmm. There is a power to that making that choice and taking your children out of a toxic situation that far outweighs having two people in the same house. It's just semantics at that point. I agree. And I would also add that one of the biggest gifts that we give our kids is what we model. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if, we, and if we model stress, being unhappy, not being true to ourselves, that's not a great thing to model to our kids. That's right. Well, I really appreciate your time today and where can they find your book and contact you? I'm on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey. The book is called Moms Moving On. It's sold everywhere books are sold from the large retailers to Amazon, Goodreads, and 
everywhere in between. It's even at Target, which was exciting for a lot of moms who were still married and did not want their husbands to see a specific Amazon purchase or a Barnes and Noble purchase, adding it to the Target cart. Nobody noticed, right? Because that's all we ever do is add to the Target cart. So <laughs> I love that it's a Target. My website is momsmovingon.com. I provide one-on-one coaching, group coaching, and educational opportunities for aspiring coaches. So all of that is on Moms Moving On. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my award-winning, best-selling books, God Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, and my newest release book, Dollop the Dream, Making Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. You can find both of these books wherever books are sold. And you can find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com. And that has two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.